0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that have been coming up in my practice at the moment as I've been working with various clients across the week. And um, really just working with different clients, actually some kind or a client that has returned to me after we worked together a few years ago, has kind of got me thinking a little bit about the the kind of categories or the types of clients that I work with and um, how the work is different or the quality or the nature of the work is different depending on where somebody is in their journey. And I've kind of broken this down into two different types of clients. We'll call this client type one and client type two. And really I'll just share with you today the sort of archetype of each of these different clients and then what I would do with these different archetypes because they're at different places in their journey. So I hope from listening today maybe you can see yourself in either client one or client two and it will also help you understand what to be thinking about depending on where you are in your journey and I guess also maybe highlighting that Our fatigue recovery journey has got different stages. It is anything but linear and depending on the foundations that you've created as you come into your journey, you'll either experience faster progress or slower progress, but there's nothing wrong with slower progress because sometimes we need to go slowly because there is so much repair that needs to happen in the body or in the nervous system and in our hearts um, so really just having compassion for yourself as you move through your journey and not comparing your journey to others because we are all so different we've all had so many different life experiences we have different nervous systems we have different genetics and um, each journey is very unique and also very very special So let me dive in. And as I said, I'll break this down into two types of clients for ease. We'll call these client one and client two. So client one is somebody who comes in and there's just the overall sense when I first speak with this person is that there's just a lot going on. And it's interesting because I also did have a um, enrollment call with a potentially new client this week. And I'm thinking of that as I describe this client one archetype where there's just a lot. It almost feels like chaos to a certain extent. And maybe chaos is a very strong word, but that's the sense that I get when I speak to the person for the very first time. And mainly because this person has been living in survival mode for a very long time. Again, we know that to live in survival mode is a protective adaptation of the nervous system. The body is just doing what it needs to do to survive, to get by. But as a consequence of chronic stress and unintegrated big traumas or little traumas, the body develops copy mechanisms. And a lot of those copy mechanisms that I see with clients could be, um, Self abandoning. So, when I say self abandoning, what I mean is that we abandon our needs and what we need to do to nourish and honor the body and the nervous system at the expense of others or at the expense of meeting needs which then become dysfunctional. So, let me break this down a little bit more. This might be the four P's perfecting, pleasing, proving, and performing. So, We are always trying to do everything perfectly. We're constantly pushing ourselves to our limit to prove our worth. Um, We're people pleasing So that we avoid Conflict or we don't Lose love or we don't experience Rejection and um, So we've got perfecting, pleasing Proving and performing We're constantly performing, putting on a Show because we don't believe who we are Authentically is Valuable and worthy of love So those are some of the self Abandoning programming Because what we do When we're in that programming is we're denying our authenticity we're denying what we really need and then in addition to that we have the achiever which i know very very well and again we we do have this need to achieve and grow and feel filled up but when it becomes excessive to the point that it's abandoning our basic needs for self-care then it can become a dysfunctional program and this is something that i still grapple with today i don't think it's something that i'll ever be free from Completely, you know, never say never, but it is definitely something that I'm constantly sort of grappling and aware of in my own journey. And then we have the helper where we help others or we're constantly fixing and going in to save others from their drama at the expense of our own self-care and then that pulls the chaos of other people's lives into our own lives and then we have this experience of chaos which is driving the survival mode and driving the dysfunction causing poor health. Then we have the controller. So again, wanting to or needing to be in control is a positive adaptation or an intelligent adaptation, shall I rather say, that helps us feel safe. But when we are doing that at the expense of always having to have everything very, very rigidly controlled, and the moment that something happens that's outside of our control, that can feel very, very distressing for the body because we're not used to being with that sensation of uncertainty then it becomes problematic. And then also poor boundaries. So our boundaries are very leaky, perhaps, which means we're constantly overextending ourselves and then our the time and the energy um, and the personal space that we need for our own being and nervous system and self-care gets dismissed. Those are a lot of programs and I don't know about you, but as I've been sharing them with you, I can resonate with all of them. Granted that to a certain extent now I'm, you know, so much better with boundaries. I'm a little bit more flexible with things that are out of my control. Um, I know that I can help others when my energy is topped up and I can set boundaries around how I help others. My inner achiever is still very strong, but she's tamed. (laughs) Um, And the perfectionist, pleaser, prover, performer They're all still there But they're well managed, I would probably say But it's taken a lot of time And it's taken a lot of internal work to get there so then we've got this person who's in survival mode they have all of this um, programming which is sort of perpetuating the cycle of survival mode they're probably experiencing that boom and bust crash cycle um, but it's quite the highs and lows are very high and very low so there's this this is constant sort of swinging between like overextending and then the body crashing and then overextending and the body crashing within a very short time frame. And I think maybe I've spoken about this on a previous episode, but as we, you know get better that boom and bust curve sort of flattens and lengthens so it is natural to experience times of you know doing more and then times of needing to retreat and rest and top up our energy but it should be more of like an undulating flow as opposed to this peak and trough peak and trough and that's kind of um mirroring what the nervous system is doing really as our nervous system goes through less peaks and troughs then we experience less of this boom And bust crash cycle. So, there's all of that going on. And then, in addition to this, so much energy and time is going into maintaining these survival programs that it's there's just not enough energy for what we need to do to take care of ourselves. There may be a lack of awareness, there may be a lack of knowledge around, you know, what a good diet looks like around what the body actually needs to be healthy around what exercise is good those types of things but there can also be the use of food or alcohol or excess tv time which is then eating into sleep time or over or under exercising which are coping mechanisms So someone is relying on food a lot for comfort or someone is drinking a little bit too much for comfort or someone is, um, you know, watching a lot of TV, they're staying up late, they're numbing out, again, to support the nervous system, but it's starting to have a negative impact because then they're not sleeping enough or well enough. And so when someone is in this state, you know, just saying, eat better, or get to bed earlier, or move your body a little bit more, can be very, very challenging because these are coping mechanisms because the body feels that it is under threat. So if the body feels that it's under threat, just taking away the coping mechanisms is not going to be very well tolerated. There's a lot of unpicking that needs to happen here. And change in itself can be very threatening for already threatened system. The way that I like to think about this is like a ball of wool of like lots of different colors of wool. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to separate the ball of wool into different the different colors but they're all jumbled up together and therefore if you just pull on one thread which might be the a better thread and you keep pulling on this thread actually the ball of wool becomes tighter and tighter and you you actually make the situation worse so what we need to do is be very soft and gentle and you know pull a little bit on the the red string and then pull a little bit on the green string and then pull a little bit on the blue string and then maybe just go away and leave the ball of wool for a bit and then come back and we're gently sort of very very gently very slowly pulling the little bits apart but as you can appreciate this takes time and when I work with clients often there can be a degree of frustration on their part, and sometimes mine as well, because, you know, they come to me and they invest in the six month package. I think everything is just going to be amazing because I'm doing six months with Anna, but then the reality hits that this is something that takes time. And even if my work is fantastic, there's still going to be a human element to it, which is there's a lot going on and we can only move as fast as the slowest part. And when we live in a world where, you know, productivity and achievement and big changes and massive transformations are valued and glorified, little changes and small things are very easy to underappreciate. But for this type of client, the type one client who has so much chaos and dysregulation going on, the small changes which are embedded and solidified are Oh, so important for the long-term goals. So that's client one. Maybe you resonate with client one. Maybe you used to be a client one and now you're a client two, which I'll describe in a moment. But that is the picture of client one. And my message for client one is you just have to start. And as the saying goes, do what you can with what you've got and you can remember you can only move as fast as the slowest part but the slowest parts are still worth honoring and just give yourself a year two years even to pick some of this stuff apart take any kind of choose a spacious time frame a time frame that doesn't feel pressured at all and just start start small be consistent little and often, and just keep moving forward with the spaciousness for race breaks as well, because that's also an important part of the journey. And when I first became unwell, I said, I'm going to give myself two years. And the reason I said two years was because I read a book um, by Dave Asprey. I, I think it was Bulletproof Your Mind or bulletproof your brain. I can't remember the exact word, but he said um, something about all the mitochondria in your body replace themselves within two years. And then obviously knowing the relationship between mitochondria and um, energy, I said, right, I'm going to give myself two years because in that time all my mitochondria would have replaced themselves. That was actually in hindsight, a very naive piece of information for me to base my goal setting on. But what it did do is it gave me permission to take my time and I want to encourage you to give yourself permission to take your time as well Um, and you know obviously run a six-month fatigue recovery support plan obviously in six months we can do a huge amount of work but sometimes six months also isn't enough for people. And that's not because I'm a rubbish practitioner and I can't get my clients results in six months. Some clients get fantastic results in three months. Some clients get fantastic results in a month or two, depending on what they have going on in their body. If the case is less complex and less chronic, I just need to preframe that. But, um, you know, some clients I work with for six months and then they take a break for 18 months and keep on work building on what we've done and then they come back and then we do more work again. So, um... It's not my place to rush my clients through a process that they're not ready for and their nervous system isn't ready for just to achieve an arbitrary, well, uh, not an arbitrary goal, a specific goal, but an arbitrary timeframe. Because everybody has a different body. Everybody has a different nervous system. And therefore, how quickly or slowly we progress is different. So now I feel like I'm rambling a bit. So we'll move on to client two. So client two is further along in their journey. They have probably been unpicking all the things that client one needed to unpick. They've been working with this ball of string. They've been pulling apart the bits and pieces it's probably a lot looser, it's probably a lot more clear what needs to be pulled out and things are starting to come together but there's probably still some blind spots and um, that boom and bust cycle as we talked about is kind of leveled out a lot more, there's a lot less of a feeling of chaos, there's a, a greater sense of structure a feeling of solid foundations um, when I speak to the person. Usually this person has either worked with me and they've been client one, then they've come back and now they're client two. Or maybe this person has worked with Alternative other practitioners, and they're sort of now looking to just work with a new person, get a fresh energy on their case, get a fresh fresh set of eyes on their case, or you know maybe there was something about the previous practitioner that didn't gel for whatever reason, and then they come to me. There might just also be the need for more support. Um, I obviously have my six month fatigue recovery program, which. I designed specifically for a few reasons is because it it takes time, which we've talked about already. Um, Some people, not everyone, have the need to really be held and supported. This is actually a comment a client made to me that um, when we first started working together, she'd worked with some really actually amazing practitioners. But she said, I've worked with these practitioners, but I've never felt Held in the process. And that's a huge part of my fatigue recovery support, the six month support is that there's a feeling of holding. You have someone who's there and available for you, who's checking in on a regular basis, and that gives you continuity. And that's something that I didn't have in my journey that I wish I'd had. Mainly because nobody was offering me that. I, you know, there were, there are obviously six month programs you can do. I did consider them, but I didn't think that they would have the depth that I wanted. But also because at the time I didn't really, I was trying not to spend too much money on it, to be honest. And um, I think if somebody had presented a package to me and it just felt like, yes, this is what I need, I would have spent the money. But there wasn't really the option. And then I wasn't going to like piece together an option um, for myself and spend the money on that. Um, because it, it wasn't, there wasn't that like full body, yes, sort of feeling in my heart around anything that was available. If that makes sense. So sometimes um, people come and work with me, even if they have worked with some great practitioners, just because of the way that my business is set up and and the holding that they can experience, Um, because it's a trauma. It's a trauma to go through this chronic illness experience. And a lot of people feel very alone. Uh, very misunderstood by friends and family, even, and obviously medically gaslighted as well. And to just have that safe space that you can turn up every, turn up to every couple of weeks, and and just know that you'll be held and supported and cared for. At least I do my best to do all of those things. Maybe I don't always get it right. Um, you know, that's actually a very special gift to give to yourself. But I digress. <laughs> so this client too is probably also more conscious of their programming. So when I described the four Ps, the achiever, the helper, the controller, the poor boundaries to you, I still have all of that programming. I'm conscious of it. And what I would say is that I'm consciously competent. So what that means is I'm generally quite I'm quite self-aware. I'm quite aware of when that programming is showing up for me and I can consciously and competently move through any challenges it presents. We may have some conscious incompetence so people are aware of it, but it's still kind of like showing up a little bit and running the show. But the type 1 client, in contrast, is unconsciously incompetent. They can't even see how much these things are impacting their day-to-day behaviors and and their day-to-day nervous system experience. So, client two is a bit more conscious, whether that's consciously competent or consciously incompetent, they're more conscious of this programming. They probably built some good foundations. So if you've listened to previous podcasts, you know, those foundations are they know a little bit about the nervous system, they can self-regulate to a certain degree, they're they're eating regular meals, those meals are fairly well balanced. Um, they have a sleep routine, they have a movement routine, they may Maybe taking some supplements so there's more of a sense of grounding with this type of person there's a foundation there and um, the great thing about foundations is we can build on them and we need strong healthy foundations on which we can build and that's what client one doesn't have but client two does have client two can sometimes be overachieving in their healing journey or their self-care. So there can be this tendency when someone does have a strong achiever archetype to do too much. Um, they're doing the Wim Hof breathing and the sauna and the ice plunges and the transformational breath work and, um, you know, all these different things, long meditations, This was me once upon a time as well. Um, So they're just actually, their nervous system might be overloaded because they're working the nervous system too hard. And there may be a need to sort of come back and anchor into simplicity. This type of client may need a little bit more hand-holding and continuity, so maybe they've been sort of jumping around, or not necessarily jumping around, but seeing a practitioner once every three months or so, um, but there's not that kind of day-to-day, week-on-week little tweaks adjustments feedback questions that sense of being supported and sort of very gently if we come back to that ball of wool just tug on a bit here today tug on a bit there tomorrow what are we doing this week what are we doing next week it's much more here's your plan see you again in three months time kind of thing so you don't get those nuanced changes and adjustments based on how your body is responding to whatever approach you're using Or maybe inclined to new things have come up. They've done really well, but then there's been a big life change. They've gone back to work and the wheels have come off. They've maybe been on a trip and they've got uh, an infection and um, their gut has just gone all wrong and they're experiencing symptoms again. Or maybe they've had COVID or some other virus or cold or flu um, and they've taken a step back or maybe they're also ready just to work on some deeper trauma. Um, so that could be a thing as well. Their system is now ready to work on some of th- some big things that they weren't ready to work on before. This is client two. Um, so client two, as I said, has got a much more sense, of, should I say a greater sense of stability, a greater sense of grounding, but they're probably maybe just looking for more fine tuning or they they feel confused they're like should i be low histamine what's this mcath thing tell me about sauna do i need to be doing coffee enemas like these are more advanced practices that we may use and there may be confusion around what's appropriate for them what's not appropriate for them where is their time money and energy best spent essentially that's client two. And um, what I'd like to do now is just talk a little bit about what I would do for client one and what I would do for client two. So the key word for client one is stabilizing because client one is all about building foundations. So we want to find stability and that's stabilizing the nervous system. You can use Nervous system stabilizing tools. That's what I teach my one on one clients when we work together in the six month package. That's also what we work on as part of the Nurturing Resilience Nervous System Program, um, which is a group program I run as well. Um, Then we also want stability with things like blood sugar or just generally. You know, stabilizing the diet—three regular meals—and you can listen to the previous podcast I created on um, diet for energy, um, which will kind of give a sense of how we do that. Um, We want to stabilize a good sleep routine—you know, light exposure, circadian rhythms. There's a podcast on that as well. Stabilize movement. So thinking of that sort of boom and bust cycle. What is the appropriate amount of movement for this person given their current fatigue and symptoms? Are they doing too much? Are they doing too little? And how do we stabilize them across the day? So they're not doing like a load on one day and then nothing for a few days. What what can we do to create a consistent movement baseline on which we can build? And also for people with um, you know, CFS, ME, that might also just be their daily routine in terms of all the other responsibilities in you know, childcare, cooking, cleaning, working, maintaining the home. How do they find a stable balance within the things that they need to show up and do each day? And then um, digestion may also happen in that sort of foundational phase. Sometimes it does come later. So interestingly, I've been working with a client at the moment who's very much sort of client one, and we did a stool test. um, But the challenge was if I had made any dietary changes for her, it would have been too overwhelming. If we had put her on an aggressive supplement protocol, that also would have just been too much for her system. So we just like kept things. We didn't even change her diet, which wasn't great. um, But I just gave her some basic, simple supplements to support her digestion, two weeks later, I spoke to her and immediately when she logged on the call, I was like, yes, wow, there's a difference here. And she said, I feel so much better. And I think it's the supplements. And I said, yes, I think so too. Um, And that was lovely because then she had more energy to then actually circle back and start um, working on her diet again. So um, digestion can be in there, but it might look different depending on the energy that somebody has available and what they're going on in their body, what they have going on in their body and how sensitive they are as well to supplements because that can be an issue or a challenge as well then what do we do for client two well client two is more advanced so this is where functional testing can be beneficial um it's not that I wouldn't run functional testing with client one sometimes I do but um, client two is where the functional testing might be revealing what the blind spots are it might be facilitating the fine tuning it might be just going that layer deeper but it also depends what testing the client has done before because sometimes if someone has done a lot of testing before then um, we don't need to repeat you know all that testing again unless we're doing a retest. You might just hear my little cat meowing in the background in a moment. Um, Here we can maybe start to think about more aggressive detox or gut protocols. Here we could think about hormetic stresses, so heat stress, cold stress, fasting, um, exercise stress, or sometimes we're reining that in. So if someone's already doing a lot of those types of things, maybe we are going to like rein it in because maybe they're overdoing it. Um, here they may be ready for deeper trauma work or deeper coaching work. And that's where we can use somatic experiencing to resolve specific traumatic events. Um, you know, that could be, you know, sexual abuse or it could be an um, inescapable attack or it could be, um, you know, if they had a particular fall or an accident or, you know, big things that have happened, um, medical trauma, etc. Um, this this client too is definitely when we would. Do more personalization. So this is where where someone is confused. We start to sort of iron out like, what do you actually need to be doing? Do you need to be on a low histamine diet? Do you need to be doing coffee enemas or you know whatever it might be? So there's a. This is where we're taking the foundations that have been built and we're sort of refining, personalizing, fine tuning, and in some cases simplifying, because when someone has been working on their health, especially if they've been doing it on their own sometimes they've just like put thrown everything in the tub and they're doing too much and they're taking loads of supplements and sometimes I have clients you know share their supplement sheet with me and it's like 20 different supplements and then maybe it's like okay well let's just strip all of this back and just come back to like three four or five and just see how your body feels so there's sometimes it's about less is more and simplification so that's basically what would happen in a a client two's journey sometimes client two has also done a lot of the um, functional medicine work but they want to do more of the nervous system work and that they could do in my nurturing resilience group program or with me one-on-one depending on budget as well so that's where we wrap up today um i'm curious where you resonate the most do you feel like you're more of a client one or more of a client two and um, depending on which client you are has there been something that you've taken away from this maybe something that you can see that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing or something you're not doing that you feel like you should be doing or maybe it's just receiving the message that this takes time and patience and you know, to give yourself a little bit more permission to take it slowly um or maybe to simplify maybe you're doing too much and um you know it's giving you permission to simplify a little bit And obviously if you would like help and support from myself with this, if you client one or client two, you're always welcome. Um, There's a couple of options. So you can find these in the work with me section on my website, but you can do the full six month package with me. Um, You can do the nurturing resilience and nervous system program with me as well. Um, or you can do some a new offer, which I created is the Fatigue Recovery Roadmap, which is just a, it's a two-part consultation process where we gather all the information about your case, and then I create a strategy for you. And then we meet together, we discuss the strategy, and then create a practical step-by-step plan for you to move forward. So it's just a, a sort of a shorter package so to speak for those people who are needing some support but aren't able to or don't want to commit to the full six months with me Um, and that fatigue recovery package and this the shorter one actually works really nicely in conjunction with the group program so that's always an option to do the two together so that brings me to the end of this episode Uh, the sun is just coming up here it is 10 to 7 in the morning in um, beginning of October I'm recording this and it is a beautiful morning I can see the sky is blue And I'm going to go swimming in the sea to get my cold water exposure in and my daylight, morning daylight. So you have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next episode.